1: Well, Wyoming is the least populated state in the nation, which most people don't realize. Yes. So we have only five hundred and fifty thousand people in the whole state.
0: Well, uh, you hear Wyoming and you think Grand Tetons, right? That's a very, very small percentage of That's state. That's exactly right. There's yeah. not a lot going on Wyoming. That's wise. exactly right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and we live in the southeast corner, which is the most populated part of the whole state. Yeah. You know, because we have Cheyenne. Yeah. And Laramie. Um there's only one four year university in the whole state, only uh-huh. one private accredited school. Um that's us, Wyotech. So yeah. Yeah. It Wyoming is very unique. It's, so, it's
0: yeah, it's a it's a crazy place. Um it's funny too. Uh, have you seen Yellowstone? The TV. I've show? seen several of those shows, yes.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Oh, I love how they fix fences. Yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: Yeah, they that's the funny thing. I was yeah. just talking to somebody about that. They yeah. were like, "Yeah, it's just them roping and riding around." <laughs> and yeah. He's like, "What about the fences?" Like, right. "That's that's cowboying, fixing fences." <laughs> that's exactly right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you I mean, yeah, yeah it's not very realistic, but it's entertaining. No, so.
0: <clears throat> no, cuz I remember growing up, like the biggest problem was the 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 damn cows would get out. Yes. And then you're having to go find them. You're having to get them back in there. Now you have to find out where they got out. Now you have to fix the fence. Well, it's
1: elk going through the fences. They're terrible, you know, uh, around our place and even up there, Yellowstone uh, stuff. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy elk. Uh, um, the elk will mess it up. Huh? Elk mess them up. Terrible. I got cause you. Because they aren't as graceful as deer. Antelope yeah. as well go under the fence. Yep. Yep. yep and yep. deer jump and they're graceful and elk, they try. So, sure. Um, but they don't make it all the time so well, they and tear those fences up terrible wow so elk huh yep do you hunt yes yeah yeah I'm i haven't sure. for a couple of years but um i still enjoy the wildlife and go help people yeah. that uh our son or granddaughters or whatever Yeah. if they get an elk i'll go help them pack it out or whatever so, oh sure yeah yeah no
0: i'm sure that's yeah. that's as good as it gets having yeah. them come right to your doorstep
1: oh yes we I tell people, we don't hunt on our ranch, we get. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took my granddaughter, uh, one of my granddaughters, elk hunting this year, just two weeks ago. And there's 16 bull elk, all five and six points. One, the third one back was a huge six point. Oh. And I said, Elena, they're 100 yards away. They don't know we're there. Oh. They just are me- meandering up the hill back to the, the day where they're going to spend the day. Yeah, And I said, Elena, shoot that third one. No. I think I'll just wait. I'm wow. saying people would kill for this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so she passed on all sixteen or seventeen bulls that day. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. But that's a typical we we have elk. I sure. should say that. Hopefully that doesn't go online. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. have a lot of friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so.
0: No, no. People people not know where you're at. Um yeah, I uh you know, I just I I've eaten more elk this year than and most and it's just so so delicious yeah normally
1: elk is the best wild game there is Oh, it's yeah Uh, better than moose definitely better than deer better than antelope i want to try um i want to try bear i've heard it's pretty interesting
0: i have i have
1: never had bear i've had mountain lion wow um and that was okay yeah that's kind of a chicken or lighter meat fine very fine textured Uh uh-huh um I, i had alligator I've had alligator. Yeah. Alligator's good. Yeah. yeah. Ours was a little chewy. My hired hand got it. Oh, I got you uh, in Florida and brought it out. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So.
0: Yeah. I. Uh. But elk is just so hard it, to be. It is. Oh. Yeah.
1: Unless you get an old bull or you know or whatever. But most elk is really good.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. I. I've. I've. Uh. This year too. I've eaten a lot of bison. A lot more bison than and how what do you think of it? I, I, I think it's better than beef laws I'll be yeah, because um they can't feed it they they, they can't use hormones. Yeah. And um uh, they there's all these rules around bison that they don't have for cattle. Huh. so you can give cattle a lot more garbage than you can bison for some reason. Um I don't I need to look into it. Yeah. But it's a lot it's a lot better of a meat. I'll be if if you just look at just some beef or some bison. Yeah. Bison's the better choice. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Because most people out in Wyoming, we raise, we don't, but our neighbors raise some buffalo. Sure. Uh, bison. And, and most of our people say, we can't stand that. really, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I will. Yeah. And I've had, uh, buffalo or bison, uh, steak or hamburgers before and couldn't tell the difference really. But
0: it's so hard. Yeah.
1: If you, if you didn't, if someone had never had it before and you told
0: them it was a hamburger, they'd they'd, never guess No, they have no idea. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a lot. Uh, Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Wyoming?
1: Um, since I was twelve. So, since you're twelve, yep. so that's really all you've ever known. Pretty much, yep. First twelve years was in Michigan, yeah. um, and a lot then, different. yeah, and then dad, my dad was a preacher, and he moved us to Lagrange, excuse me, Wyoming, and then, um, as soon as I hit the state, I said I'm giving up my baseball bat. Baseball, and I'm going to become a cowboy. Really? So I started uh, hanging around cowboys and ranchers and breaking horses and left home when I was 14 to move on a farm and ranch. No kidding. And that got me into the equipment side of things, farm equipment and some heavy equipment. And that took me into uh, custom combining. And so I ended up in Texas uh, harvesting wheat and then heading north. Uh And that winter, that got me into semis. Uh I was driving semis when I was 17 and just fell in love with them and that took me i thought i was going to own a fleet of semis so then i decided to go to wyotech uh, to learn diesel mechanics more of diesel mechanics we've been working on them ever since i was 14. but uh learn more and thinking i was going to own a fleet of semis when i graduated or soon thereafter and then i quit so you went to wyotech yes as a 18 19 year old kid yep that's crazy yes i did not know that yes Wow. Yes. So, and it's then, been around for a while. Oh, yes. Yeah, since 66. And I went there in 76. <laughs> so, I missed the first 10 years, but i had a connection ever since, pretty much.
0: Holy so, smokes. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. And so, halfway through school, I had an amazing teacher. And I hated high school. I'm actually a high school dropout. I uh, quit high school because they promised me I could graduate at the end of my junior year. And I jumped through all their hoops. And then they changed their mind. And, uh. and well, in the meantime, I had already committed to going to Texas. And and combining weight and yeah. driving trucks and working on them. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> but anyway, halfway through school, I had an amazing teacher um, that I didn't feel like I had in high school. And so then I changed my mind. I thought, I want to come back and teach. And I was the shyest kid you've ever met in your life. Hmm. But um, I graduated in June of 1976. And that fall, uh, October of 76, I heard that there was an opening. So I begged my way into teaching at 19 really yeah so um which is a whole crazy story but yep what did you teach uh diesel uh power most i loved gears at that time you know yeah so but after a year and a half of teaching gears i got tired of differentials and transmissions and clutches and yeah uh brakes and air systems so i i begged my way into teaching diesel fuel injection and i had to study up big time on that but ended up falling in love with that wow. and so i taught a lot of fuel injection and engines rebuild and Plus, I had a side business. As I was teaching, I had a side business to repair diesel. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because at 19, you know, what do
0: you know about, about diesel engines? But if you started when you were 14, yep. a lot of people just view one year of experience as one year of experience. But it doesn't work that way. That's exactly right. And if you're just this hungry, stupid kid, at starting at 14, you know, from then to 19... You can learn so much.
1: Absolutely right. So much. So, yeah, you're this yes. 19-year-old kid, but you probably, probably I knew, knew your way around. I knew a lot, you yeah. know, but also when you teach something, you don't know a lot. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you, absolutely. You, uh, yeah. because you get, instead of thinking of an operation one way, you get questions that you never thought of sure. before. Because, And so, being a teacher, you the teach the students make use a lot smarter yeah and uh, just by the questioning and the stuff you hadn't thought about or how to answer and so i ended up loving the first six months was rough as a 19 year old i thought i knew a lot more than i did and i didn't but i studied every night um in order to make it through one more day and after six months it's like okay i got it, it, it not that i wasn't still learning but i yeah. i could control the classroom i knew what questions they're going to ask and. I learned a lot more. And so and most, how old were the kids you were teaching? 19, 18, 19, 18 yeah. and 19 <laughs> or 60. Yeah. <laughs> some of them were 60 year old men, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. after six months I could win them over. Really? Uh, yep. I won them over. H- how would you win them over? One, um, I, by that time I knew my subject mm-hmm. um, and I asked them a lot of questions and I, you know, I, was, uh-huh. I, I just, I love teaching. I love people. I love to see the lights come on when they started asking questions and, and their aha moment. Oh, I understand how, you know, the 13-speed transmission works and the reverse sure. and, you know, yeah. and the different ratios. They used to teach gear ratios and gear splits and all those and, uh-huh. and to make sure you match the transmission with the engine and the differential ratio and the tire size and all that type of stuff, you know. And when the lights came on, there's no better feeling as a teacher. And to this day, it's fun to see people whether you're teaching business or leadership or whatever is having those aha moments uh, in your students. So, yeah. Well,
0: and I asked that because I talk to a lot of young people that have recently more now than ever before, they've become a shop manager, shop foreman or a foreman on a grading crew or whatever it is. And now they're leading guys that yes. are 30 years older than them. Yes. And they're trying to earn the respect and yes. try to manage a, a crew and, and, they don't know what the heck's going on, right? And they're always asking, you know, what, what, what can I do? And I, I, at least my advice is ask a lot of questions. Absolutely right. That's so yes. that's so ask fast. Questions. Yes. Yeah, yeah. If you yep. ask
1: them questions, and if you think you know more than your students, you'll probably fail as a leader. Sure. Or, or even a shop foreman or whatever. But you know, ask questions. Um, you know, just don't have all the answers. Yeah. Play dumb sometimes. Uh, yeah. just so you know the. All the question and you kind of understand what they're trying to ask, because sometimes what they ask isn't really what they need to know or want to know. Yeah. And so just be a little patient. And I don't get it right all the time, but I figured out uh, how to win people over, uh, especially in a classroom or leadership role. So,
0: yeah, the um, one one thing I've noticed about really successful people, especially in this world, is they all play dumb a little bit. Yes. They all they all undersell themselves. They're unassuming. Yeah. But then you look at what they've done, you're like, you're not an idiot. Like, right. you're not fooling me based on your track record. You just sold your business for I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. But they, 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 they're they, not out to prove how smart they are to anybody. And they're still learning.
1: Yes. You know, and, and yes. they, you know, they, and again, I, I feel very humble and grateful. And I, again, I came from LaGrange, Wyoming. I, I was penniless i was a broke kid you know and and to see what god has allowed me to go through and and my crazy career ups and downs and everything else it's just incredible that my learning experience you know and i'm still i still will fail i still learn yeah and but it's just looking back it's like this is amazing we In the good old USA, we have some amazing experiences and opportunities like no place else, you know. Mm. And so many times our education system puts people in boxes, Mm. you know, and you have to do this. You have to go to four years. You got to go, you know, and that's not necessarily true for all people. Um, In fact, I think, you know, some education systems, whether it's high school or some colleges, they actually restrict you on, on where you can actually potentially go.
0: Yeah. You know. Well, and, and, and oftentimes that's how they're funded yes. is how many kids they're feeding into Absolutely college. Absolutely. Right. And so they're financially incentivized. Absolutely. Most right. school systems.
1: Yes. To feed as many people into college as possible. Absolutely. Right. That's all it is. And, and again, I'm own a school and I'm on the trustees of the university of Wyoming. So I, yeah, but I, I still, you know, I'm a big trainer versus education. You know, I, like I said we train people. Not again. You have to have both, but um, it's not for all people. You know, and there are other ways to success other than just going through school. So, but what what I struggle with
0: is the higher education system has done a really good job at crushing any other opportunity and any other option. And so people say, and it's a really fun talking point: kids need to go to trade schools. And everybody's like, yeah, you're right. And then I ask, so where are the trade schools? And you look around and they've
1: mostly been wiped off the map by the higher education system. Yes. So the higher education system flat out does not like private schools. Yes. And most technical schools are private. Correct. And so the... The rules and compliance issues that we face are unlike any public institution. Mm -hmm. And so, fortunately, with Wiotech, our model, um, we can get by with all the regulations very easily. Again, we still have to watch our P's P's and Q's and do things right and everything else. But some of these schools are going to be shut down because of the new regulations. And the Department of Ed um, flat out says we do not like private for-profit schools at all. Private, not for profit, and private for profit schools, mm-hmm. and so they continually try to add additional restrictions um, in order to weed out what they consider the bad schools. My whole thing is, I after I left wowtech in two thousand and two, bought a ranch, was going to go broke ranch, and so then I got back into the school business, doing turnaround companies in the school business, and it's completely different curriculum. I, I would. Came from Wild Jack, all trades, automotive, diesel, collision, refinishing, welding, fabrication, as it relates to trucks and cars. And then I got into my first turnaround was running a bunch of schools, inner city schools
0: mm-hmm.
1: in Los Angeles, uh, well, California. We had nine campuses in California, two in Atlanta and one in Florida. Wow. But they were medical assisting and allied health schools as a whole. Inner city schools, mostly welfare moms, nothing against welfare moms, just the facts. And I had to say can I ethically represent these schools because they were getting a bad rap from the D- US Department of Education for mm-hmm. because of higher default rates mm-hmm. they weren't paying back their loans once I met our welfare moms that they wanted to get off welfare the reason they were at school is they wanted to get their family off welfare and so mm-hmm. they would come to our schools and other private schools in order to develop a um, skill where they could get a job in medical assisting, dental assisting, and mm. several other al- nursing. Um, and when I f- started talking to our students, I'm thinking, go, you go, uh, keep going. And, and again, the, did our students have a higher default rate? Yes, um, but what they don't, the U.S. Department of Education doesn't look at is how many students did got off welfare. I mean, hundreds of thousands throughout the years with all these private uh, schools that were inner city. And so from a government and financial standpoint, if they would have balanced it out, they could probably understand why. And again, did some of the owners scam some students and systems and make billions or, or I don't know billions, but millions? Yes. But as a whole, most of those schools were doing the right thing for the students of that type of clientele. So,
0: yeah. And you and you. You hear the for profit thing and f- immediately you think oh, that's icky because yep. oh, they're trying to make profit on education and all these universities, they're nonprofits. Yes. But then you dig, you go one level down and you look at the endowments these schools have yes. and all all of the corporate interests that are in bed with these, these schools, printing them money, absolutely printing right. them money. The biggest shareholder in the public education is the United States government with there are multiple trillions of dollars of student debt. Like, Absolutely right. It's crazy. Or when they proposed uh, this, this really, really woke me up. They proposed it was free education or something like that. a co- college education or um, free uh, community college education yes. uh, just a few years ago, and it was lobbied heavily against and clobbered. Yep. And you're like, well, who's lobbying against that? The higher education, the colleges were lobbying against that because it takes their customer away. Yes. And you're just like,
1: whoa, this is not about it. This is money. It's money. money. It's driven business. by money. Absolutely yes. right. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to consider themselves as business, but just take a look at their annual, but any public school, you can Google them. I don't care if it's a junior college, a, you know, four-year uh, public school, whatever, any university or public school. just Google their budget. Yeah. And it is crazy how much money they spend to train or educate a student on an annual basis. Sure. We charge our tuition for a while, which is $31,750 for a nine month program. Mm-hmm. And we're making money at it. It costs most public school systems, it costs to train a student twice what we, what we receive. And we're making money, and they're always broke and needing more money every year sure yeah. Um, yeah yeah, so yeah, it's fascinating to start looking at their budgets so you uh, how long did you teach at Wild Tech initially? Only about two and a half years, okay, and then I got into being the assistant training director for a diesel program, and then was training director and ran our diesel program for four or five years, and then uh August. 20th, 1990, at four o'clock in the afternoon. Not that I remember times and dates real well. I got fired. Mm. Um, had a new boss and a new uh, parent ownership or new company ownership, and a new president came in. A new vice president was appointed that I reported up to the vice president. He hounded me for a year, um, told me. My first one-on-one with him, he told me I'd never be successful without a bachelor's degree. and oh, that's productive. Yeah. And yeah. I said, uh, Alan, I said, I've made it a lot farther than I ever expected <laughs> already from a kid from LaGrange, Wyoming with a GED. Yeah. Uh, I said, I, I feel, feel like, and then he said, well, he said, you'll never go beyond where you're at without your bachelor's degree. I suggest that you quit. And by this time, I got a mortgage. I got three kids below the age of six or seven. And mm. I said, Alan, I, I said, it's not. So, no, I'm not going to do it. I, I'm not going to sit in a classroom for four years and hope to get a job back here or anyplace else. I said, if I quit or you run me off, I'll go get a job in the industry um, and uh, manage in something else. And so for a year, he hounded me and I pushed back. And anyway, August 20th, 1990, he fired me. And, and, uh, and I knew it was coming. I was miserable. He was miserable. I was making other people miserable. He was making other people miserable. Uh-huh. It, was, it was time for change. And but the next day, I happened to talk to the president and he was a new president. He had authorized uh, me being fired. But when I saw him, he wouldn't look at me because he thought I was going to be mad. So I just grabbed his hand and shook it. And I says, Terry, I suppose me getting fired means I'm not going to become your next vice president. And he looks up at me and I'm smiling and he chuckles. He said, yeah, I suppose that's what that means, but have a chair. And so we went into his office and we talked for two hours and BS about, I don't have any idea. Besides, he promised me a bonus, and it wasn't on my check, and he said he'd get it to me, but um, otherwise, I don't know what we talked about, but we spent two hours BSing, and the next morning, I'm literally laying on the couch, wondering what I want to be when I grow up, and this is before cell phones, and uh, phone rings at 7 o'clock in the morning, and my wife answers the phone, and she puts her hand over the Mike, she says, I think it's Terry Harrison, the president. And I says, Well, bring me the phone. So she brings me the long cord across the living room, and I just laid on the couch. And I said, This is Jim. And he says, This is Terry Harrison. What are you doing? And I said, I'm just laying here wondering what I want to be when I grow up. And he said, I know what you want to be. You want to become one of my vice presidents? I said, Yes, sir. He says, I need someone with your attitude uh, to come back and be over all the training and um, curriculum and parts store and training aids and that type of stuff. Wow. And I said, well, what about Alan? That, all that stuff reports to him now. He said, well, I'm gonna put him over licensing and accreditation. And he said, I need someone with your attitude to run all these guys. Wow. Uh, and I said, okay. So I th- I was fired for three days and came back with a promotion. I'm sure Alan was real Oh, thrilled. he was, yeah. <laughs> I spoke yesterday in our uh, about leadership and I said, you know, as leaders, we all blow it, you uh-huh. know? And he could have said, hey, Jim, I was wrong for the last year, shook my hand, say, welcome aboard. But he chose, he said, if you bring passes back, I quit. So he quit and I moved into his office and had all his wow. responsibilities. Wow! So, yeah. So that's crazy. It is
0: crazy. Okay. So that's, that was your <clears> first <throat> real introduction into the world of business. Oh then. my
1: goodness. Yes. Um, and more leadership on people versus business. Cause I didn't understand how revenue came in and sales and the finances and everything else. And that's Another story, four years later, we change ownership again and the new president comes in. And after eight months, he's I'm the only vice president. I've got over half the company reporting to me and thinking I'm doing a great job. And I probably had a pretty big ego at the time. And uh, but he pulls me in his office on a Monday afternoon at four in 1994 and uh, said, Jim, you're no, no longer my vice president. He said, you need to be out of your office tonight. And I says, "Okay." Um, he said, your replacements coming tomorrow morning, and he's taking your office over. And I says, "Okay." I says, uh, "Which office do I uh, need to move to?" And he's oh, he said, "Just take your personal stuff and take it home." He "He said for what you're doing, you don't need an office." So the lights started going on. I thought, I thought, "Oh, he's uh-huh. he wants me to quit." Uh, guess what? I'm stubborn and a little stupid. <laughs> I'm not quitting. Uh, you can fire me. I'll leave with a smile on my face. And so I, and I said, "Well, who still works for me?" He said, "The janitors." And I thought, oh, wow, is that a blow? That's, and so, very honestly, I, uh, I walked on my bottom lip for about two weeks and uh, wandering the halls, wondering what in the world is God trying to teach me now? Uh-huh. And, and then I thought, you know, change your attitude, put your smile back on. I got less responsibility. See, didn't cut my pay and enjoy life. Take, take the break because, you know, as a leader with a lot going on, you're busy. And now I'm not that busy. I had to keep the buildings clean and our maintenance up. And so, uh, and then the company started failing. And so we're owned by Bankers Trust in New York City. Mm -hmm. And they were at the time were the fourth largest bank in the United States. It's now the world's largest, which Mm -hmm. is Deutsche Bank. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, they flew out and they forced that president to get me involved with uh, employees issues. And admissions and marketing sales, and I did not think I would like sales. In fact, I cussed their sales team for years because they lied Mm -hmm. to our students, and I was dealing with mad students and mad moms and everything else. And but it was meant to be that I got into the more people, and Mm -hmm. and and the sales side, and something I thought I would end up hating, I ended up loving within three Mm -hmm. months. um, And this president that tried to run me off for eighteen months uh the next 18 months he poured his heart and soul into me and genius absolute genius but taught me p l's uh, balance sheets lease negotiations um backing into numbers projections sales philosophy which we didn't use or i didn't use it after i became president but we changed it but just unbelievable um and that's where i got my business experience from him really you know where i understand when cash flow were coming in and our expenses worked and was exposed to so much stuff in those 18 months is unbelievable. And they still let that guy go where he quit. um, Then I became president a year later and changed our whole philosophy. We're a beat down company emotionally. So we, uh, we changed the colors of our buildings. We remodeled, we painted interiors and set lofty goals Um, because if you don't have a, Uh, Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. Mm. And it's just like, wow, 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 wow. We need a vision. We need a big vision. We need goals Mm. to get people focusing on something other than what other people are doing wrong. We got to have a culture of growth, uh, people getting along so we can get this thing kickstarted. And at that time, WowCheck, the biggest it had been is about 550 students. And so we set a goal in 1998 of, we were gonna have 2,000 students by the year 2000. And everybody thought I was smoking dope when we came up with that because we'd never been over 550 students. You know, why do you think you can do that? And I thought, that's just mathematics. It's more salespeople, it's more training facilities. It's, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, we got people working together instead of focusing on what everybody was doing wrong, we got to focusing on a team spirit, and we can do this, we can do this, you know. Mm. And so we uh, hit that goal in 1999. We hit our our 2,000 students in 99. Uh, We got Bankers Trust, they had taken us over from a bad loan. And so we sold it for them uh, to Allied Capital in January 1st, 1999, to get them out from underneath the debt that they had been carried for quite a few years. And then uh, sold it to Allied Capital. Three years later, we sold it to renting colleges and uh and that's where i didn't like renting colleges uh the the attitude they had so i quit uh after we sold to them in 2002 and bought a cattle ranch so
0: and then you bought a cattle ranch <clears throat> and i have all kinds of ranching questions i could, t- <laughs> I could talk about that for yeah. for an hour but um when you get back involved with with Tech, what's the catalyst to getting back
1: involved. Yeah, so bought a cattle ranch in 2002 and then was gonna go broke ranching. Uh, So in 2006, I had an investor out of New York call me and said, we've got a company gonna go bankrupt in California. They have 12 schools, um, 48 hours away from bankruptcy when I went out there. And so I went out there and and got those turned around, consulted two years with another company, East Coast to West Coast, starting a, a high school admissions initiative. Then I spent two years in Connecticut doing another turnaround, uh, Porter and Chester Colleges up there in Connecticut, and Massachusetts. Mm. And then another private equity group called a couple of years later and said, we got a mess in Oklahoma, Texas and Florida, headquartered in Florida. And so moved to Florida for two years and we're able to get those schools all profitable. And so these changed. are all private, all private yeah. schools that private uh-huh. equity had bought and thought uh-huh. they're going to make millions and brought in wrong leadership and wrong policies and screwed them up. Yeah, you in, in a nutshell, yep. And so, then uh, back home in 2014, and then in the fall of 2017, and in the meantime, was able to buy another ranch and grow a cattle herd. My goal was to get up to 1,200 cows, mother cows, and I got a little over halfway there. That's um, a handful. It is, yeah. yeah, yeah. And got halfway there, a little over halfway there, but I love people, and I was missing my people. And so, mm. in the fall of 2017, um. I was, we just weaned all our calves and I was training my border collies. I had a couple of new pups training my border collies and just yelling and screaming at them. And then in the, and in between yelling, I was talking to God and I said, God, I said, I, I think I've got one more turnaround company in me, uh, but I'm not looking. And uh, I said, it's gotta be of you. And, but you know, um, and next thing you know, within a couple of weeks, I hear wild tech is closing down, teaching all the students out and just walking away. Wow. The parent comes walking away. And I thought, and my heart literally left. I thought, oh, that'd be awesome if I could get Wild Tech. But then reality sets in. They're teaching out all, all the students. It's a for-profit business. You don't have any revenue. Um, and so, you know, even if you could get the company for free, you are not going to be able to build, change the reputation, build that up uh, fast enough to have any investor in their right mind, you know, invest in something like that. And so I kind of got, I don't get discouraged, but I thought, okay, that's not going to work. It's going to be obviously something else. So that was the fall of 2017. In January, the end of January of 2018, just a couple months later, a bunch of business people from, and in the meantime, it was going to be sold to the community college system in Wyoming. Um, But anyway, in end of January, a bunch of business people called me from Laramie and said, uh, and we met in Laramie and there's about 20 of us. And the whole gist of the meeting was can everybody find money to buy WowTech and we'll put Mathis in charge of it. Wow. And uh, and so all of us were supposed to go try to find money. And, I, and I'd done some quick calculations and I figured it was a $12 million turnaround before we were turned to profit. And so, you know, it's a that's a big, huge risk. <laughs> it's a lot, <laughs> it's a, lot a lot of money. money. Yeah. yeah, to put down and say, yeah. okay, Mathis, we trust you to, yeah. to do this, you know? And so I went back after that and I made one phone call, found three and a half million. Um, and I was too embarrassed to call anybody else. Um, and so I thought, yeah, this is as much as I'd love to get Wild wow back, because I bleed Wild wow Jack. I, that was my baby for years. And again, I went from student to president and, and I love to see students succeed. Um, but I thought uh, this is not gonna work. So again, that's all end of January. Yeah. End of February, I'm out feeding cows uh, and I never take my cell phone with me, but that particular day I did. And I get an email from a state representative and the email starts off. He says, I'm Bob Nicholas. You don't know me, but you know my brother, Phil Nicholas. And Phil is an attorney and in that meeting the month before. Um, and he says, But he said, We're in session. Can you be here in an hour to answer questions about WildChat? And again, I'm out feeding cows and I'm 80 miles away from Cheyenne. And so I just responded immediately back. I said, No, Bob. But I said, I can be there in an hour and a half. I'll see you then. And so I <laughs> ran and quit feeding cows and ran to take a quick shower for their sake. Um, and drove as fast as I could to Cheyenne and I go into the uh the it wasn't in the Capitol, it was in a different building, but all the senators and state representatives were there. And we wandered halls and I answered questions for two or three hours about my experience with turnaround companies, wild tech and, you know, if if it has value and not knowing where all these conversations were going to go. Mm. But at about one o'clock, um bob nicholas said oh jimmy says at two o'clock you've got a meeting with eli Bebau. again i'm not politically involved at all i said well who's eli Bebo?" oh he's the president of the senate i said okay <laughs> show me where his office is at two and i'll i'll go there you know so i go into eli's office at two o'clock and there's seven other senators sitting in front of his big desk and i sit right in the middle and he's a no-nonsense guy and he just starts drilling me on my past experiences and WowTech, and then he 10 or 15 minutes into it, he just cuts to the chase. He says, "Jimmy, says, we're about ready to give $5 million to the community college to buy Wow Tech and we aren't sure it's a good idea. And I said, well, Eli, it's not a good idea unless you want to fund it every year. And it just set him back. He said, well, how do you know that? I said, because they put their business plan on their website and I read it and they don't have any money in there or very little bit for advertising and marketing and admissions. I said, it won't work. Our type of students needs to be they have to be processed and have to build a relationship and, and explain to them how this is going to pay off for them and their parents and everything else. And I said, mm-hmm. their business plan, in my opinion, will not work. And it just set them back and he said, well, we are not going to fund this every year. He said, we just want to save wild check. He said, why well, have I, mean, I loaned loan that money to you over 10 years at two and a half percent interest? He said, would that help you find the rest of your money? I said, make all the difference in the world. And he barks an order to a Senator sitting right beside me and he says, uh, "Go get Dave Groover." And again, I don't wouldn't recognize <laughs> Dave Groover from, but I remember the name. But anyway, so I get I had no idea what it was about. So five minutes later, this senator comes in with Dave Groover, and he has a notepad in his hand. He says, "How can I help you, Mr. President?" And Eli Bebout starts barking orders. He said, "Change this bill, such and such." So Mathis can apply to borrow five million dollars from the state of Wyoming, non-recourse, two and a half percent interest, and uh, put it in there that the governor and the Wyoming Business Council have to decide if they're going to loan it to mathis or give it to the community college and i'm sitting there this is the craziest day of my life and long story short we were able to win over the business council by writing a hundred page business plan that made sense to them and wow. we were able to borrow that money and uh, and then had a family member <clears throat> um by the end of the week that was on a wednesday by the end of the week he heard us p- hobnobbing with politicians and I said, well, what's that all about? So I told him, I said, well, I said, yeah, I think, I think it's going to work. Uh, five million. And I said, I found three and a half million. I just need three and a half. He said, I'm good for that. Wow. Um, and wow. by the end of the week, he says, I don't want anybody else. Either. let's just make this a family deal. So we were able to partner up and with a family member in the state of Wyoming. I borrowed that five million and away we went. So we started with 12 students. When I left in 2002, we had 2,200 students. And wow. so we had 300. Uh two hundred and twenty five thousand square feet they lost a bunch of the leases and everything else but um so we we had twelve students and two hundred and twenty five thousand square feet of buildings and training <laughs> space so yeah you, you had to search for a student or instructor <laughs> or we all had twelve employees, twelve students, and in july second twenty eighteen and currently we have a thousand eight students and two hundred and twenty five employees and um and could have more if I could find teachers and housing for them uh, and and more uh, housing for students, so, which we're working crazy. on. crazy. It is crazy,
0: yeah. So uh, what, did you, what did you change?
1: What, what needed to be done? Well, the two previous companies, they their philosophy was it's all about the s- number of students in seats, uh-huh. whether they could pay or not. Uh-huh. My deal is you don't start WowTech. It's just like selling a cat dozer or whatever the case may be. When you leave... When a salesman sells that cat dozer, you're not going to leave with that cat dozer until there's contracts and you know how cat's going to get paid or the dealership is going to get paid. Sure. I'm the same way. So what the two previous companies did was they um, would finance students. They would collect as much from the student aid, federal aid as possible. Mm. And, um, and then if, they, if it wasn't enough, which in most cases it wasn't, they would give them a scholarship, discount tuition. It was an internal scholarship. No money behind it and or they would um, finance a student at 15% interest or whatever, which students as a whole didn't pay. Yeah. So, my deal is just like I ran it 15 years earlier uh, as of 2018. My deal is we're going to know how every student is going to pay or they can't account because I I, got to rely on my employees want paid. Yeah. I got $12 million of debts payback, Um, you know, so. And so we are very good at recruiting students that want understand, want to be there with parent support. So now their mm-hmm. parents are involved in that decision-making process. So they have to s- support their son or daughter financially as well as emotionally to travel clear across the country to go to school in Laramie, Wyoming. And so currently we have students from pretty much all 50 states. We get a lot from Hawaii, believe it or not, wow. East Coast, West Coast, yeah. So. Um, so, you have the parents essentially co-sign. Yes. Okay. Yep. They get a parent loan or bring cash. A lot of them bring a lot of cash to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, we're we're doing very, very well because we have a niche market. We know who we're after, and we are not all things to all people. And again, do I want to see poor students and students that can't afford us to come there if they're really interested? Yes. So, we have a team also that works to try to find external scholarship for those type of students as well. And we have a foundation that um, we have as well, yeah. and it provides some scholarship. But as a whole, our bread and butter is finding high school students that are graduating with parent support financially and emotionally.
0: But see, the the so the proposition with college used to be, it's an investment. And if you give us X amount of dollars, you go get this job that's gonna pay you Y amount of dollars, That's going to be a lot more than what you're giving us. Absolutely right. That value proposition doesn't exist anymore, largely, which is why college admissions are declining for the first time in U.S. history, which is fascinating because I think the word's gotten out. Wait a minute. I'm not guaranteed a job out of school, let alone a job that's paying $100,000 a year like you told me. Uh, But with this, the value proposition is more than intact because how much
1: are these kids making out of school? So- our students spend between tuition and housing and maybe a little living expenses yeah. um, or some living expenses, somewhere around forty dollars to $42,000. Okay. we have For one year? For nine months. For nine months. So, okay. so our, our uniqueness is we our students go to school eight hours and 20 minutes a day. Wow. They start at 7 o'clock in the morning, go to 420 in the afternoon. They have to be clean shaven every day. No earrings, nose rings, tongue rings. If they miss three days, they're out. No um, Yeah, in a six-week period. Huh. And so we're very highly structured. We are there to train them, period. The sure. Students have to be there to be trained because we take their training and education very, very serious. So we, want, we have to have the right student that will accept that type of stuff. Yeah. And so in nine months, they get more credit hours and clock hours in nine months because we go to school eight hours and 20 minutes a day than most junior colleges give in two years. So that's our value proposition. So, uh-huh. yes, you're going to spend $40,000, 42000 for that nine months, but we also have a career fair. We have one coming next week, uh, Wednesday and Thursday that will blow your mind. But we have employers fly from Hawaii, fly out of Alaska, fly from Arkansas, you know, all over the United States. And we limit it to 100 employer groups mm. uh, because of space. And it's filled when we turn the... Uh, Computer on to allow them to register. It's filled in le- literally minutes, wow. uh, because they want to come. Because our students are used to uniforms, uh, they're used to attendance policy, they're used to professionalism. Work our our whole shops uh, and grading system theory and shop is based on working in a shop. The more you get done, the better you do. The more efficient you are, the more you're going to advance and or get paid. Sure. And so anyway, we have offers of low on the 15 or 16 dollars range which are very few yeah and they don't get anybody yeah all the way up to 35 to 40 dollars an hour starting wage sign-on bonuses t- uh, tuition reimbursement if you get most companies are offering to pay back your tuition over two or three years if you <sighs> if you work for them um tool reimbursement they several companies flying in their private jets will fly students out to show them their headquarters and some of their shops in their private jets and flying back that same day as a career fair. Yeah, it's, it's the most amazing thing to see anymore. Uh-huh. Um, these students have the world by the tail if they do their part. If they so, do their
0: part, yep. which is the big And most thing. of them do.
1: So per
0: conventional logic, if I were to listen to most people, they would say those kids don't exist nowadays. How do you find these kids?
1: Yeah, that's a great question question because you hear that continually. There's nobody wants to work. There's nobody interested in this anymore. And I will tell you that our recruiting process is we have recruiters, admissions representatives live in various states. Like we have four or five in California. We have two or three in Texas. And we have, I think, right at 30 uh, admissions recruiters or admissions representatives. And they visit high schools, tell our story.
0: Well, you're, you're essentially hiring though. You're saying admissions, but this is, this is a hiring process in a lot of ways.
1: It really is. Yeah. Because yeah. they have to vet these students yeah. Yeah. and talk to them and their parents to find the right fit. Correct. Yeah. And I, to your previous question, it's harder than it was 20 years ago, but we're good at it. And so we find students that have been told you have to go to a college to, get be, to be successful. You have to do this. You, you know, you can't do that. We find these students that want to be outdoors or more woodsy type people Mm -hmm. and hands on, and we find them and with parent support, and we are going gangbusters. During COVID, all our competitors, all the junior colleges as a whole went online. We chose, we'll shut this company down before I go online. Yeah. Because I'm a hands on learner. I've got to get my. Again, I I can read, I can write, I can study, but normally I experiment before I go to the book. That's the type of student that we're after. You know, someone that says, oh, yeah, I can figure this out. And then they might fail, so then they might go to the book. Well, again, we teach a lot of theory. But if, if we see as a teacher, again, I was a teacher there. So as a teacher, when they see blank looks, when they're trying to teach a subject matter, they quit. And they take those students to the shops and explain, this is what I'm trying to explain Mm -hmm. in theory. Mm -hmm. And then the lights come on and then they'll go back to the classroom and teach Mm -hmm. more theory. And then when their blank licks, looks uh, happen again, they go back. So I chose to either shut the company down and fail and go bankrupt uh, before I'd go online. And we got the governor's support, Governor Gordon's support in Wyoming to allow us to open back up with the state health department and the county health department with very few restrictions, wow. and we put that out that we were not going to teach online, we put that out to all our leads and interested parties, digital TV and uh, social media marketing, our numbers doubled within mm. a year because there's a lot of families that said, okay, my son or daughter, we want them to go to Wyoming. It's the least populated state in the nation. Yeah. The safety is probably better there than the large towns and everything else. And we'll take that risk. And we never had any problems.
0: Yeah, so, thank goodness you weren't California. You're right. Uh, we, it would have uh, never happened. No. Yeah. But I, 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 I question if I was in college during COVID, if I would have dropped out or not. Right. Because what they did, I think, was uh, it, it's insane. It, it's pay us more money yes. for a far worse product that is not at all guaranteed like it was even a few years ago. And that like I can't get my head around that value proposition. It just feels wrong to me. Yeah. Um, and that's not how people learn, right. they They don't that's exactly right. I, I like yesterday, i fl- I flew to Chicago for the day for a meeting. and And they asked me, I could have done it over the phone, but i I for a meeting like that, it has to be in person. Yes. I will go anywhere. Uh, it's a long day, but it is so worthwhile. Yes, absolutely. engaging as a yes. human being uh in whatever i need to engage absolutely and i think learning is the same way
1: absolutely and we're trying to force it into something it's it's not in a lot of ways yep we we live by every single day and you could ask our 225 employees unless they're brand new everyone will tell you the same thing but we live by three principles every day we want to provide the best training out there period best training the second thing we want to do is we want the students to have the best experience in and out of school so We have amazing teachers. We have amazing uh, equipment and curriculum. And then after hours, we have a whole team that takes students on ski trips and volleyball games, basketball, softball, whatever they want to do. We have someone to work with them, work and play with those students. And then the third one is we want the best outcomes for all parties. So and I I categorize those best outcomes for three people. Uh, One is the student. They have to win. Financially, they have to win. They have to say, ah, this did pay off for me. The second was, is the employer has to make sure that it pays off for them. Because if, if we provide students that don't are not trained well enough to get jobs and keep jobs, then the employers are going to quit coming back to wild Tech. Sure. So the student has to win, the employer has to win, and then we have to win from a financial standpoint. Because if, if any of us three lose, We'll all lose eventually. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of what we live by every single day. Now, on the you know, one qualm I
0: have with a lot of um, trade programs out there is that I found and I've heard this from a lot of employers, too. It, it gives these kids a false sense of what they're capable of with a, a six months of training, nine months yes. of training, a year of training. yes. And they don't have that real world experience, that field experience, which is extraordinarily valuable in yes. the trades, no matter what trade it is. Because as good as the classroom is, as good as the theory is, there are, there are so many variables and you can't, you can't truly train in a comprehensive way uh, if it's not real world. And so how do you, how do you combat that? Because it seems like you're doing just a fine job at that. But I've seen a lot of other schools
1: fall short of that significantly. Yeah. And we have some of that. Some of these students obviously think they know probably more than they do. Yeah. So and it's one, it's culture. So we really explain when our career fair employers come in, you know, make sure you hire and explain your culture to our students and students. Make sure you understand the culture you're getting into. Mm -hmm. And so culture is everything. Um, And we also tell employees or ask employers, if you don't have a decent mentoring, I said our top ten percent of our students they can hit the road running. The next thirty percent are will do really really good. You know, but a school is a school. If they meet the minimum requirements, they're going to graduate. Sure. And some of them learn afterwards and everything else. The the people that students that barely pass, but the Penske's of the world, uh, they're they're big supporters of Wyotech. Yeah, they've got a mentor and several others. C and B equipment, John Deere. They kind of have a mentoring program for three to six months. And these companies that understand human nature, that they just can't throw someone to the wolves and expect them to be productive day one, but put some time into these students. Because again, our students, they've shown up uh, to school, you know, for for nine months, eight hours and 20 minutes a day. So, and normally they have to have a good positive attitude. Otherwise they won't make it. So if you hire for a positive attitude, and someone that shows up to work, which is 90% of the problem, and put a little bit of time into these people, our students excel. Mm-hmm. Um, the companies that are mom and pop and they expect too much, sometimes they they normally don't have the money to compete with the bigger organizations. And then they get frustrated because their student quit or they had to run them off because they didn't know enough. And I'm just like, uh, I, I, I see both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. it works both ways, yeah. Um, but yeah.
0: How how do you get them to show up? Because I've 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 heard this more times than I can count. They just don't show up. They just don't show up. That's yeah. our biggest
1: problem. You know, if we were a uh, commuter school, I think we'd have that problem. But we're a destination school. So a typical student has traveled a thousand miles to attend school at Wildcat. Uh, They're in our dormitories when they hit Laramie. As a whole, they don't know anybody else. I got you. And so and and. When we enroll them with their parents uh, present, they have to sign off on all our rules and regulations. You know, the shaving, the attendance, and on and on and on. Upfront about up the standards. Front, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we don't because again, our student success is our success. Yeah. So we've got to get the right students. We have to set those expectations up front with mom and dad, mm. so everybody's fully aware of what to expect when you hit Laramie. And because and. All our students clean the shops. You know, if again, if they miss three days in a six week period, out the door you go, unless you're almost at the end of a phase and you broke your leg. But yeah, as yeah. a whole, you know, that doesn't happen. Um, <clears throat> so we're big on setting expectations up front and telling people we aren't for everybody because, you know, if you want to play and learn over two years, that's not our gig. We're going to throw yeah. all this stuff at nine months. And so we, we, we graduate 85% of our students. Of the fifteen percent we lose, two or three percent flunk out, two or three percent are kicked out, two or three percent are um, homesick and leave, and uh, and some fail and and are repeat the process. And so that's extremely low. Yes, that's a very small percentage. Yeah. So yeah, when yeah. we graduate eighty five percent, that's <laughs> awesome. That's pretty. But great. it's because we set expectations up front. We know how they're going to get paid, and. Again, because they don't know anybody, when we get them in there on a Monday morning in or- during orientation, these students are they're, – they're shy. They don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. They might have been there a day or two. They really haven't met – they might have met their roommates in our housing, but that's it. Yeah, They don't have any friends. They don't have any – and it's like, okay, I better shape up and do this. Or And within a week, they have friends. Everybody's cleaning up every night. It's just, we get them in a new pattern of life mm-hmm. and away they go. It is the neatest thing. I just gave a tour a uh, day before yesterday and our students are on task, you know, they're engaged. They aren't on their cell phones all day long playing. They have tasks to get done or they flunk out. Um, mm-hmm. And that's in real life.
0: I, and, and, and so I'm going to construction companies or a dealership or something like that. I, I think- the standards up front is so extraordinarily powerful. Yes. And that's something we haven't done the best job at, but we at least try with our values. For example, you saw on yes. the wall out there. We we try to be very upfront. Here's how we operate. And we've learned to also be upfront about this is a startup. Everything doesn't make sense here. Yes. And that's just the way it is. Yes. And so if you like order, this is not the place for you. Yep. And we've tried to be a lot more upfront about that. Standard, standard, yes. Standards, standards, well, standards. That's so key. But I think because the workforce is so constrained, what a lot of people are trying to do is we're for everybody. And they try – they're too afraid to say, it's counterintuitive, that we're not for everybody. Right. And and they're trying to be for everybody. Yes. But this isn't a world for everybody. That's exactly right. And I – I've always, at least even with my photography, I've tried to portray the industry in a genuine sense because there are so many marketing images, recruiting images that are complete nonsense and I think are disrespectful to the people within the industry. Yes. And I try to portray it, you know, some technician lying under a track loader in a landfill. This is what you do. Absolutely. And this is why that guy right there is so proud of what he does is because he earns it every day. Absolutely. Um, but if you, if you, here's the standards and we're not for everybody who's who, here's who we are for, you get that retention, that 85% retention, yes. that's unheard of. It's unheard of for most yes. companies.
1: And again, because we, I, I've, <laughs> this is probably not a good statement to make, mm. but I always say ranching, I tell everybody about leadership. I learned most of what I, I learned about leading people behind a cow, <laughs> um, but it's like ranching. You don't keep your bad cows around. You cull. Yeah, and we have a we don't purposely want. It. I don't want to purposely cull cows because just because of I want to cull. But if they don't produce, I'm going to cull a cow and I'm going to replace it with something another cow that does produce. Yeah, students and employees are the same way. Sometimes we hang on too long. And we're afraid if we lose Joe or Jack or whatever the case may be, you know, we're, and my deal is with students and even employees, they got to be productive. They got to want to be there. They want to, we want them engaged. And it's better to lose a student or an employee sooner rather than later mm. because all it does by keeping bad blood around, whether it's a student or whatever, um, is they bring other people down. And sometimes you can get a lot more done when you've got a bunch of students and or employees that are engaged and want to see the vision and want to help you get there. And so we, again, we don't want to weed any students out, but we weed some students out. Uh, We cut our losses, you know, drugs, alcohol, bad attitudes, attendance, weed them out. And what that does to the remaining students and or employees, it drives their motivation up. Um, And 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 they they realize why they're there.
0: It enforces the standards, too. Absolutely. Like, we're, we're not joking. That's exactly and right. You, you just have to get rid of one for everybody else to recognize, oh,
1: <laughs> they're serious. Okay. Absolutely. So this is real. With students, it's amazing because, you know, they had a, have a lot of rules and regulations in high school, but high schools as a whole don't really enforce them. Mm-hmm. So then they, the first week at Wild Tech, it's like it's an eye-opener. Cause we enforce them well, yeah, and they're <laughs> you know? probably testing the water and they're test water. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, they yeah. Let me show up late, you know, five oh, minutes sure. or five seconds or whatever. Yeah. Nope. You got a tardy couple more tardies. I, it equals a day. Oh, and yeah. three days you are out. Yeah. So get serious about this. So show, show up. Um Yeah. So we take our, our, our training serious. We take their training serious. So, wow.
0: yeah. But I, I think that discipline is
1: good for people uh, too. Like you were, like that's we were why we about- have, Employers come from all over the United States to recruit our students. You know, once it's out there, once they see our quality of students, United Airlines is walked into our career fair uh, six months ago. We have them every three months. Um, Unannounced. We didn't have space for them, but we found a table because they heard about it. But United Airlines, they want to hire them uh, for everything from aviation to their vehicles uh, and upholstery. Uh, so we place a lot of students in the airline industry, uh, but United Airlines was the first one that showed up. But they, they're just blown away because students are polite. You know, they it's incredible. they can't wear their hats backwards. You know, we just have yeah. a lot of standards. Uh, if you meet someone, shake their hand, you know, look them in the eye. We have a lot of standards. And um, again, I gave a tour two days ago and we had talking uh, in a hallway with the employers that were there. And some students walked through and. They take their hat off when they walk between us, you know, and we're in their way. But they yeah. took their hat off. I said, excuse me, you know, I, I need to walk through here. Your, hey, you're fine. You're good. You know, but it's just, and again, we teach some of that, but it's a whole different environment than any other school I've ever seen. So, and we're excited about it. Uh, going, going,
0: you know, continuing with the the ranching theme. I think well you can you've probably learned a lot of do- uh, a lot of lessons with working dogs too absolutely and the happiest dogs I've seen are working dogs sure they're not the ones that live inside all day that's exactly they're right. not the ones that are pampered with the haircut every other week with all the treats and the different clothes they're the ones that have a job and and have, and have right. discipline and they love it and they love it because that's what they were designed to do over hundreds and thousands of years I don't know if it's that long but it's centuries of breeding yep. to design these animals to have a job and to perform and 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 ultimately serve. I think humans are the same way. Absolutely. We're designed to serve. Absolutely. And right. to create value in the world. Yes. And to have a sense of discipline. Yes. But we live in this world in which that has been watered down so much so that we think that's actually bad now,
1: which is insane. It is. Yeah. Wowtech employees, they are givers. We are all givers. We give our, our time to our students, uh, the businesses around. So part of our grading system, students can receive extra points. So if they miss a tardy and get some docked some points, they can earn that back mm. by community service. So we're big on community service. So we go help park cars at the University of Wyoming. We help serving food for uh, old folks' homes. And so we constantly have a whole team that all they do is coordinate to allow our students to go serve our, our public in Laramie, which is awesome, you know? So, yeah, but it's to your point, people are happier when they're serving and have a purpose.
0: Yeah. So based on your experience, this is another um, qualm I have with the, 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 tr- the, the push for trade schools is that we need more trade schools. But then I look at in the construction industry, we need 550,000 people this year to just meet demand. 550,000. And you look at the trade school numbers, the math doesn't work. It doesn't math. That's right. And so while you're doing everything you can on your front, which is absolutely extraordinary- how do you believe and how do you see the United States navigating the next decade or two where half the tradespeople are out the door and demand, in theory, is staying constant? Yeah. How do, how do we navigate that? It's a
1: huge challenge. And yeah. I, don't, I don't have the answer, to be honest with you. But besides, we're going to continue to try, try to grow and solve part of that in a yeah. minuscule area because we yeah. can't provide 500,000. And that's probably just the heavy equipment industry that's just that's just construction yeah 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 that doesn't mean trucking that doesn't mean automotive dealerships everybody is screaming for hands-on practical trades people whether it's plumbing electrical automotive diesel uh, construction and it's it's a challenge Mm. and i do know several of the states though are realizing that because industry is putting force or, or putting pressure on politicians to change that and get the career and technical education back into the high schools because it was taken away over the last 20 years. And so several states, uh, Wyoming is one of them, is that they're really starting to focus on how do we train more CTE teachers or instructors to get back into the high school so we can provide some shop classes on. And so it's got to start with industry putting pressure on politicians to say, we've got to expose the students that are interested in high school into some type of a trade because. If you're good at one trade, it can lead into a different trade. But yeah. if you know you're kind of good at i don't care if it's woodworking, electrical plumbing, whatever it can lead into automotive or heavy equipment or whatever the case may be. Um, but we've got to put pressure on these uh, politicians in these states to to support uh career and technical education in high school, and that will feed more volume. but again, we're five or ten years away from if if they made the decision today, we're, we're exactly several years away, yeah.
0: Where and and that's why I believe most of this falls on private enterprise yes. to sort out. Yes, I think everybody's waiting for for you in a cape to swoop in and save the day. Yes. Well, we have the answer. It's Wyotech, which and in, in part it, it is, is the answer. It but is a answer,
1: but we're minuscule. Yeah, yeah
0: but but it's it's yeah. it's such a big issue that's been decades in the making that I think it's going to take every business in Absolutely. the industry seriously investing in this yes. in their workforce in the next workforce to make it a reality. And if everybody does that with the support of the wild techs of the world, yep. You can I'm optimistic. I think you can go create a lot of change pretty
1: fast. But well, we want to continue to grow and probably grow outside of Laramie. Yeah. And so um and we love that the trades. We love automotive and diesel. Um, mm-hmm. and we have an advanced diesel program that Students have to go through our our six-month core diesel program, and it's all our equipment. We have semis. We have transmissions, clutches, air conditioning, you name it. We have it that they learn. And then our advanced diesel program is we take in semis from Halliburton, Penske, anybody that needs a semi completely rebuilt. And we go through them completely in 90 days. Wow. And, And again, we can do that and be successful because our students go to school eight hours and 20 minutes a day. They're DOT inspected. I don't care if it. If an engine needs rebuilt or replaced, transmission, lights, everything has gone through um, and out the door, typically in 90 days. Um, no kidding. And with a DOT inspection. Now, if we have to wait for parts, which sometimes, you know, with COVID, we still have to wait for parts. But normally we can have them in and out in 90 days, rebuilt semis, basically. And so. And Halberton
0: yes. isn't kind to oh their. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah: Oh my gosh, They can beat the vetsky trucks.: Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So
1: students get great experience. Yeah, uh, they, yeah really good experience. Um, so, But we want to take that and expand that across, you know, we were going to just build bigger and better at Laramie. But our challenge is, we housing available yeah. for uh, our employees, most of our instructors come from out of state. And we just, Laramie, if you Google Laramie real estate, we have very few homes available to buy or sure, rent. Sure. And yeah, so now we're yeah. looking at possibly going uh, outside of Laramie to maybe the Southeast, Northeast, and uh, st- to start another campus. So we're kicking that, those ideas around. The other one of my goals is dealing with the government with federal financial aid is mm-hmm. a pain because they keep restricting private schools. Um, and so because of, of my,
0: lobbying by yes, higher education? absolutely. Go figure. And
1: so one of my goals is to have industry possibly support a pool of money and make that like, – our default rates are very low because one, our tuition is reasonable. Uh, they pay back their loans. And so have private industry have – and we could go through our foundation or another different company, but have industry put a pool of money so we can get away from all these crazy regulations. You could do that.
0: You could do that tomorrow.
1: Uh, that's what I'm thinking. And so that yeah, is one of my goals I... is, to, is to have a pool of money that is, again, the investors could put a pool of money together. We would manage or have a bank manage or whatever the case may be. Yeah, But they will get their money back and design it for very similar to what the interest rates are for if you borrowed through the federal financial aid, which is right now probably 8 or 9%. So it has to be competitive, sure. but get away from some of these regulations that absolutely make no sense for a private school in Laramie, Wyoming.
0: I I could put a fund together for you from cat dealers. That's what I figured. By yes. next week. Yes. Seriously. We,
1: we've we mentioned this to our employer groups and they said, Jim, put something together. We're interested. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep.
0: yeah. I mean, we have four cat dealers invested in our business for this reason. They're... They're looking for solutions and doing stuff they've never thought before, but that's a much easier sell than investing in BuildWith, sure, by a long shot. Yeah, um, I think not that you need my opinion on anything, but I think going to I, I really think the the bulk of the solution is going to be within private business to figure yes. this out. Yes, there's just there's there's no way around it. I think yep. based on the numbers and the math. And so I think every business, every dealer, for example, if I look at just Cat, John Deere, Volvo, all the manufacturers, come on to every dealer is going to need its own program yep. to bring young people in and train them up effectively. And so if you all could take the principles that you've developed at Wildtech and create a program that could be scaled that you don't have to invest in the infrastructure. The infrastructure exists. You don't have to invest in the workforce. You don't have to go out and buy buildings and create a more scalable model so that you could create this accredited program or whatever, this biotech program that you could go and you've probably already thought of all this. uh, This isn't all that clever, but apply it to all the dealers and create small, you know, small Small schools, satellite biotechs, leveraging the resources, the tools of others, the facilities of others, the trainers of others. You could make a lot of money and a lot of impact. Well, we're way. very
1: interested in kicking those ideas around because I, yeah. we we spend a lot of time. I call it dreaming and scheming, uh, thinking yeah. outside the box, and we've been very successful at whatever we've we've done uh, for the most part. And so we are kicking a lot of those types of ideas around, literally as we speak.
0: Yeah. So, well, yep. this it, it, I've I've. I've been around the block. You know, I'm 28 years old, so I don't know very much, but I've gotten to see more in this industry, in this country than most people at this point, which is, I'm super fortunate. And no one really has this figured out. Right. Like based on what you've just said over however long we've been talking,
1: you guys have it pretty figured out. We can find students. Uh, We just have to have a place to go with them. Yeah. So We're very good at recruiting and setting the expectations and we just need more space. We just built a 90,000 square foot addition. It's completely full. Um, So again, we've gone from 12 students up to over a thousand in five years. And our problem isn't finding students. Our problem is space and teachers. So if they could provide the space and the teachers. The space can, exists. We can probably already. find students for. Them.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. The space. Yep. The shops exist. The facilities exist. Even the training facilities now. Right. Oftentimes exist at, at major dealers. Yes. They all have training facilities. Yes. Yeah. But there's just no like standard program. Right. Everybody's trying to do it themselves. Right. Which is great. Like I love seeing it. And some of these programs are wildly successful. Like Carter Machinery. Their their program is incredible. Incredible. And and a lot a lot of, a lot of dealers are but everybody's trying to do it their own way. Yes. And it's like, but you've already kind of figured out the way it works. And so all you have to do is just
1: apply that. Yeah. And we, obviously we don't, we can't teach everything in nine months Uh, and they can stay longer and go take additional electives. So some students stay 12, 15, 18 months. Um, But we train entry level tech. So they understand, you know, the principles of stuff as a whole, electronics, computer systems, uh, emission systems. And so we can't teach everything from a cat's perspective or John Deere's or Halliburton's or anybody like that. But what we try to get our students to do, one is show up with a positive attitude, ready to work and willing to learn more. And if they can have the basic principles down of a diesel, um, diesel trucks and some skid steers and hydraulics and everything like that, they can apply those principles that they learn into whatever direction they go, whether yes. it's on Caterpillar's equipment or uh, uh, Halliburton yeah. rigs or whatever the case may be. Well,
0: yeah. oh, but that's that's what all the companies want, though. Yes. They want, because what's, hap- what's happened too is, and I tried to, I just uh, I spoke with, um, uh, I spoke at a cat dealer conference a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. So I don't know, almost every cat dealer in North America was there. And I, I tried to explain it in the most simple terms. And so this past generation, not my not my father, because my father's a tax lawyer, but his generation, um, they grew up in the garage working on stuff yes. and with tools in their hands. Yes. And they mowed the lawn and they properties were a little bit bigger. So they had chores and they had stuff to do. But over the decades, the United States has urbanized a lot more. And Absolutely. so we're way more comfortable than we've ever been. We have people that do stuff for us now, and we don't have to do a lot of stuff because I'm living in a city as opposed to rural America. And then now I'm growing up with an iPad and the car. Uh, I want to work on it, but it's so damn complicated that I don't even know. I don't have the diagnostic software to even figure out what right. this fault code means. So I have to bring it to the dealer regardless of how much mechanical know-how I have. Um, so you, you, you have a generation now that just doesn't have the basics. One, they haven't learned how to work largely because, right. and I think hard work is a skill. It's not inherent. I think that's a, a load of crap. I had to learn how to work. I learned how to work when I was 15 in Montana, Could getting you. my ass beat, um, on a, in a ranch setting. Yep. And I, that sobered me up quick. That was the cold water on my face that I needed. Yep. A lot of my friends growing up though, they never had that. Absolutely. They didn't learn how to work. And it is black and white. Yeah. So one, they have to learn how to work. Two, they're showing up 18 with no, no knowledge. And it's not their fault. They've just never held a pair of pliers in their hand before so they don't know what pliers do. They don't know how to read a tape measure. They don't know how to use a ratchet strap. And the older generation, they sit there like, you idiot, you don't know how to use a tape measure because they didn't have to think about learning how to use a tape measure because they learned it when they were five years old Absolutely. in the backyard. I didn't have that. And then you ask the past generation to teach it, but it's like asking you to teach me English. You don't know, you right. just picked it up. Right. So they don't even know how to teach it. Right.
1: It's crazy. That's very true. Yes. Yeah. So and, okay. and the patience level. Yeah. You know, I hired I hire several high school kids every year, you know, and I'm fairly patient until it's just like I can't stand it anymore. Sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I Had one student, uh high school student, um, run my old one of my old John Deere tractors and I had uh a brake and you had to flip a lever to lock the brake in. Well, he said that it was smelling. Uh, he was driving and smelling. Yeah, I yeah. go over there yeah. and I'm, he's, the <laughs> brakes on. You yeah. know, you didn't release the brakes. It's I've like done that a hundred times. You wore, the, you wore the brakes out in this thing. You know, it's just like, you know, yeah. oh my land, frustrating. But yeah, but again, it's not their fault because they have not grown up with it yeah. and been exposed to it. So yeah. Yeah. we have to get more people exposed to the real world.
0: Yep. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, and that's what I
1: love and why we... I tell people I, I love what we do, how we do it, and who we do it with because it it's exposing. It's taking young 18, 19-year-old kids as a whole and exposing them in a training environment where we do have patient instruct, uh, teachers or instructors. And uh, they get frustrated once in a while, but we teach them the, the tape measures, literally. Sure. And, uh, you know, all your math behind formulas and hydraulics and yeah. electrical and, and get tools in their hands immediately and meters. So, yep. Yeah.
0: That's, that's so,
1: so exciting. It is. So cool. Yep.
0: Um, yeah, no, it's amazing. It's so, I had no idea you went to Wildtech.
1: Yes. I, I'm a Wildtech, and that's why I'm so passionate about it. I know what it did for me. Well, yeah. And, uh, it's just like, boy, if you do your part as a student, you can have some amazing opportunities in life. So,
0: it's such a cool story. Yeah. That, that, yeah. You, you went there, you taught there and then you end up Owning the thing. Yeah. Owning who who the would thing. ever thought?
1: I never would have dreamed, never dreamed anything like that. that never. Never dreamed of having a ranch or two of them. You know, it's just, and God's been very, uh, blessed me greatly. And I could lose it tomorrow and I still want to be a better person tomorrow than I am today. That's my sure. goal. I don't want to just be known for my assets. and. But I have a passion for people to see them succeed and training is the way to go.
0: Well, so. you're, you're you're not just known for your assets now, though, because how many... You know, how many kids are going, th- however many kids are going through that
1: program, you helped them get that start. Someone asked me how many <laughs> students have gone through on my watch, whether as a teacher, all the way up uh, as president. And now, and I'm guessing around 35,000. That's so, crazy. Yeah, that I've had uh, something to do with Wildtech uh, on my watch or when I was there and probably 35,000 students I've seen go through there. That's a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge impact. Yeah. And then how, you know.
0: How many people do they now impact and support? Absolutely and how, right. how, how, how big are their families and their impact in their communities? And yes, that I mean, that really fans
1: out. It's it's pretty humbling uh, to get. I'm friends with a lot of people on Facebooks that, that, that I might have taught them, you know, 40 years ago, 45 <laughs> years ago. And now <laughs> they got families. Now their grandkids are coming to Wild Tech because of the influence we've had on them. That's it's crazy. it's pretty humbling. It's pretty cool. So, uh-huh. yeah. And so, um,
0: if I'm somebody listening to this, and I have a kid that's thinking about what they want to do in life, uh, or they want to go do something like this, uh, how do they find WildTech?
1: Yeah, just Google WildTech.edu. Yeah, and you'll see some amazing W Y O T E C H. yep W Y O T E C H. T E C H. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we have some amazing videos and uh, of our facilities um, and. Again, I come from a ranch background, so several of those videos of of me on just good principles that we've tried to live by,
0: yeah
1: um, and so it shows some of the ranch life uh, and we tied it into wildtech when we bought wildtech five years ago we wildtech had a bad brand uh, 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 a blocked brand because of the previous ownership mm. and so we spent a lot of money uh to Advertise and tell a different story. So we added my personal cattle brand to our marketing materials. So we didn't want to overcome all of our, replace all the brand, but we added heart T. So it's a heart and a T right beside it. Uh-huh. And so we added that to our marketing just to signify there's something different about the brand, the main brand of Wyotech, and so we call it Love Trades, and so we love the trades, and so we wanted to show the public and the world that. Okay, yeah, if you Google back five years ago, if you Googled Wild Tech, Corinthian colleges came up with all their sins. And uh, so now you Google Wild Tech and boy, you get some pretty positive stuff And some of our videos that we've used to promote and tell a different story and how we're doing things differently. Mm -hmm. And because we're there for the students. Um, Again, student success is our success and it's not the other way around. We have to provide some good training to, for their success. Well,
0: and that's that's how uh, like the conscious capitalism movement is, that's the premise of it is we think business is bad, profit is bad. But no, 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 no. If, if it's true conscious capitalism, if you make sure your stakeholders win, which Absolutely. are first and foremost right. your students, you win. And Absolutely. then the more you win. The more you can make your students win, absolutely, <laughs> and it's this virtuous cycle.
1: Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we have to be profitable. Yeah. You know, and but we take most of those profits and we we reinvest correct uh, right back into the company. We're buying new tools. We just built a ninety thousand square foot building. We built five thousand more administration area. We built five thousand square feet of classroom space all in the last five years. Yeah. And. We have we bought 70 acres across the street to expand. Mm. Our goal is to have thirty five hundred students on ground uh, in the next four four years and then ten thousand students between online. We might teach uh, sales and marketing online or something like that. That's right. And but we want ten thousand students by the year 2030. So we've got to we've grown exponentially already, but we've got to continue that. And because we do want to provide a service to industry, uh, we see the need. and. We want to be a big part of it. Yeah. Wow. That's so yeah, cool. we have big goals. That's,
0: that's what people should have is big goals. Yeah. I, I, I don't like talking to people that don't have big goals. Right. It's like, come on. Like, yeah. the world's a big place. It you really some is. some cool stuff. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Um,
0: that's just such a cool story. Thank that's you. That's so yeah. exciting. It it's, really is. We,
1: we, again, we love what we do doing. How we do it and who we do it with. So
0: yeah, I'd I'd love to make it up there at some
1: point. Oh, it'll blow you away. Uh, I, I I'm sure. It, I, it will blow I you um. Away. I have to go. only five percent of our students come from Wyoming. That's the other unique thing. Ninety five percent of our students come from a thousand miles away on average. And
0: uh, I, I I've tried to ask questions that like a contractor I've heard like uh, like what they would. Uh, dismiss this. Everybody's so dismissed. Well, that sure. works. So, so one one thing they would say is, well, of course it works in Wyoming because everybody was raised on a farm, right? And so five percent, only five percent come from.
1: <laughs> so we we That's, go to rural America uh, and the 4-H and FFA and and that type of uh, organization in high schools. We just were at the National FFA Convention. Was the last week I believe it was. Uh-huh. And so it's Future Farmers of America. Future Farmers of America. Yeah. We love you know people that have experience with our little experience, our exposure to a little bit of farming or ranching or raising an animal, whether it's a goat or a pig or a steer or whatever, because they're out in the elements a little bit and they have uh, a different, they're more mature. Mm -hmm. They've had responsibilities to grow that animal or raise something. So we love good old ranch farm, wannabe farmer ranch kids. Um, And so we, again, we get city students out of Chicago all the time too, but we have great students and we handpick them as a yeah. whole. Um, so I, um, so I, and I talk
0: about this a lot intentionally, but I grew up in um, a, a small town next to Scottsdale, Arizona that has more rich people than Scottsdale. Everybody knows Scottsdale. They don't yeah. know the town I, I've been. It's, it's wealthier. And it is in theory like the best place you can be in the United States in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and at least what you would think is the best place you could be. Everybody has money, the sunshine and no, no crime. Everything. Life is good. Fancy cars. Um, but I, I now, and I say that because I've, I've been around the blue collar world enough to know that that, that resonates with me so much more deeply yes, that that's the truth. than that world. And I go back to that world and I almost don't recognize it anymore, even yep. though that's what I knew my entire upbringing. And I, this summer, uh, we did a road trip across America, and uh, I, we cross into Montana, and I go into the local grocery store in whatever town we are in. I don't even know where, what town we were in. I go into the grocery store, and on the wall, they have all of the uh, Future Farmer of America pictures, these kids with the pigs that they've raised. And it's, it, they're terrible pictures, but the kids are so proud of their pig. And it's hanging on the gro—it's like a Safeway, so it's like a big chain grocery store, and and the whole walls is covered with these pictures. And I just think like there, there's a there's just like the sense of relief, and and just like oh, this is amazing. It yes. almost gives you like a a sense of hope in yes, a way. Absolutely. God, like I'm just around so many people that they just talk shit about the next generation. That's all they do. It's all they do. It's so negative. And then you see that and you're just like, oh, okay.
1: Again, I'm not saying WoW Tech is, is um, the only place, but you wander around WoW Tech and I give two or three tours a week normally when I'm there. And I'm there most every week um, to industry or, or business people, whatever. And you tour the, our campus and it's like, wow, 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 wow. Mm. Future generation, we're going to be okay. Uh, There are a lot of good young people out there still. And as a whole, society has put them down and say industry says you can't find anybody. But they're there. It's harder, I think, to find them. But they are there and they're looking for an opportunity and their parents want them to have an opportunity. And uh, again, I I think it's harder to find them, but they're there. And we're very proud of our students and what they've accomplished. And we better find them. Absolutely right. For our <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. We've got to find them. we we have to and, find them and train them. We need yeah. to, We need more of that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ah, well, I'm just, I am just so, uh, impressed and excited. Obviously, this is this gets you. me going. Oh, I, me too. I, I get excited. I, about I'm this. I'm passionate about
1: training yeah. students and seeing their success. That's ah, all there is to it. it so so cool. That's I was, why at 66 years old, I'm still doing it.
0: Well, I, I, um, you know, I I've done a lot of uh speaking this year more than ever before i mean i've spoken more this year than every other year combined it's been crazy and usually and forgive me for this it's old white guys that yeah. i'm speaking to yeah and while i like talking to old white guys you know because they're still the leaders of the industry and and they yeah. still have the influence in, in a lot of ways i uh spoke to agc of california a month ago in palm springs and they had the the usual contractor crowd, some younger leaders, but they had a lot of college kids there uh, from, from uh, the, the construction management program, the different construction management programs in California. So these were kids that are in school, but um, I loved talking to them because they were so excited yes. and, and 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 they wanted to show me the community service projects they're working on. And they were just, they're just the way they look at you. They're just like, ex- they just, they're like, so what do you got for me? Like, yeah. what, what, what can I learn? I, uh, where, where should I go? What should I be thinking about? And uh, to me, that's so much more exciting Absolutely. in a lot of ways. Cause you're just like, wow, they're, they're, they're hungry. They're, 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 they're getting after it. This is so much fun. Yes.
1: And these are, this is the future of the industry Absolutely right here. Absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we had a high school instructor visitation last week, and uh, one of the teachers from a high school out of Texas said, we thought you set-staged all this because we kept asking students if they liked it. And, <laughs> and they got so excited about showing us what they were doing and learning and everything else, and they're so positive. And we said, no, we give tours every single day. Um, you know, We don't have anything to hide. We don't set the stage. Students are used to tours literally every single day. But they said we can't believe the attitude of these students, and they're so excited about our, their future and what they're learning and everything else. So our our future is in good hands. Uh, we just have to find more of them.
0: Well, um, is is it just for for kids out of high school, or maybe I'm 27 and I want a career change? Could I come to Wild Tech?
1: Yes, yeah. It's we will take 70 year old olds. Okay. Yeah, yep. that's good um, to know. As long as they figure out how to pay for it, we're we're good. So yep, I got you. Yep. Okay, and federal financial aid is available for all those that qualify. It does you know? work. Yeah. But sometimes it's not enough to cover the difference. Sure. So that's why we're in the high school market where parents, um, they can make up the difference with the student. Their son or daughter doesn't qualify for enough. I understand. So, yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Well, um, thanks for coming down here to do this. I'
1: My pleasure. I'm, Thank I'm you. I'm
0: really happy <laughs> we did this and I can't wait to visit Wojtek. Well, please
1: do. Yeah. And that that goes for all the the entire audience. Come visit Wojtek and it will blow you away. Yeah. So.
0: I mean, uh, people are passing through Laramie, Wyoming all the time. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Big vacation destination. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually have to, in January, go to North Dakota. Well, so, so maybe if you I fly
1: into Denver, uh, we're only two hours north of Denver. And so. then I can just drive to North Dakota from uh, there. Right assuming up, the road. Right up good I-25. Enough.
0: Yep. Yeah. No but yeah I, I, the interstates are usually pretty good
1: they're normally pretty good yeah
0: yeah. yeah. maybe I'll do that yeah maybe I'll just we'd fly to into Denver and drive up and then drive to North Dakota from there sure alright okay well thanks for stopping by Appreciate thank it. you yeah. it's been awesome
1: thank you